Uh, we hung out with Joash, did some ministry, and then we came back into town, and, and we were going to take Joash and his wife out for dinner. Uh, it didn't work out for his wife, but we took Joash out. And we, went to an, we said, we want to go to another restaurant. We want to take you to a restaurant you want to go to. And secretly, Johnny and I were like, we just don't want to go to the same restaurant we've been eating at every night. So he took us to another restaurant, and man, I opened the menu, and my eyes lit up. Johnny and I were in heaven. They had spaghetti, and it said classic. So I'm thinking classic. Hey, and, it's, and they had cheeseburgers. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, and so we were excited, and we said, so when the waitress came, and Johnny said, hey, do you guys have cheeseburgers? And she said, sorry, we don't have cheeseburgers. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then, so it's like, okay. So I ended up ordering spaghetti. And it was, it was pretty close to what we, you know, so it was good. It was pasta and, and the meat sauce and everything. So it was good. Well, then we asked, I don't know if it, Johnny or, or Joash asked the waitress, if we come tomorrow, can we have cheeseburgers? And they said, yes. It's like, we had a worship service right there. Thank you, Father. So the next day we went, um, that's when we went to the place far away. And we visited the church far away and everything. And we're seeing the sick get healed. And we're seeing God do wonderful things. And I'm thinking of cheeseburgers. <laughs> so anyway, so we go into town and, and uh, we go to this restaurant. And we're all excited. And we say, hey, we want our cheeseburgers. The lady said, okay, we'll have them put them on. And so... Um, so I'm just daydreaming about cheeseburgers. And, and so Johnny and Joe, they go talk to this guy. And there's some, there's, they were talking with this one guy. And so I'm sitting there. And the lady comes and brings our cheeseburgers. Thank you. And I was excited. And they weren't there yet. And I, uh, I lifted the bun. I said, what? There was lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, and cheese. On a bun. <laughs> Cheeseburger. I said, hold on a second. I said, excuse me, ma'am. Hey! So she, she came over and she goes, yes. And I said, um, I said we, we wanted cheeseburgers. And she said, yes, that's cheeseburger. I said, but what about, like, beef? You know what she said? She said, that's called a beef burger. See, y'all think it's funny. <laughs> I wanted to throw down and throw a major fit right there on the ground. I was like, are you kidding me? We asked for a cheeseburger. We got a cheeseburger. So then we asked them. We said, you know, between the tears, I was trying to choke back. We asked, do you have any ground beef? And they call it mincemeat, which we call something different, mincemeat. But uh, they called it ground beef mince, mincemeat. And and so he said, well, do you have any of that back there? And she goes, yes. And so we said, well, just bring us, just make us a patty and bring it. And we'll just slap it on here. And so, but, and it was ground beef. So they brought a plate of ground beef. And so we just had a ground beef with cheese and all that kind of stuff. And man, it tasted good. It tasted really good. But it's interesting because the language barrier, you know, the cultural differences that we experience, we're thinking one thing, same word, but you're thinking this and they're thinking that. And there's this major clash. And it can, be bad. it can be tragic like that was. I've been amazed at the, the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ uh, on the other side of the world. Uh, it, was, it went from humbling to convicting 
um, of how I've allowed myself and even, I would say, with our family to keep our world so small. It, it, it's, it's incredible to see that on the other side of the world, there are people that love Jesus, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are starving, as in having a, an incredible appetite for the things of God. So I was... Uh, it was just a real joy to get to experience that. So, again, thank you. I don't know. I, there's so much that I could stand here and talk about. Uh, the first thing I would just want to say is that the Holy Spirit, just incredible from the moment we got on the plane to to the moment we got off the plane, but even, even now, just the, the relationship we have with the Holy Spirit, the favor that God gave us while we were sitting in Amsterdam of just building relationship with a couple that was so open to the, the gospel. Um, and God gave us, we were sitting there talking to the guy and I, I was, you know, CJ and I asked, where I was asking later, Hey, what's our intro into to Jesus and this thing? You don't want to just walk up and go have some Jesus, but be able to, re- to really build some relationship that then we find ourselves on the plane to Amsterdam and the thought that, Hey, we'd already you know talked to the gentleman about, uh, praying for him. He had, what was it? A sore back, had some back issues. Then we got the back of this huge plane. There's what? One, two, three, almost 10 seats across, and we're in the very back of the plane, and God gives us an opportunity to share with this, with, with this gentleman. He's so, he experiences something that he goes and gets his girlfriend, and we get to pray for her too. And this is all going on in a plane, and there's, I don't know, what, what did you say, 120 people in the back of the plane all taking all this information in, and just watching it, and we're going, we're about to have a, a healing service in the back of this plane, you know? Um, and it was so impactful that there was no, it wasn't a rejection of the gospel. I mean, the gentleman said, I don't believe in that. And we're like, oh, that's okay. It's the, your believing's not a prerequisite. Have the experience and we'll see what you believe. You know? So, uh, this couple just getting to have just an, they had an open heart to receive God's healing. And we've been corresponding back and forth. You know, we, I've got his email. They're on vacation now, but to, just to see what all God's done in their lives. But just that they were so open was just, it was just really amazing. So that was just day one. And uh, getting there, getting to interact with the, uh, with, uh, the, the pastors, with Joash, uh, just seeing the relationship Joe, that Joash has with his, past, with his pastors, it's, it's incredible. That, um, you, can t- you, know, you can tell good leadership because those that are underneath you, uh, there is a, there's a relationship, there's a not because I'm the boss, but because there's that, that relationship of love, and I know you've got my best interest at heart, that we experienced. I, I saw in Joe Ash, you could see with the way his pastors and the, uh, the con- each congregation looked up to him, looked to him, was incredible. Seeing what he does, that he comes over in the, in the summer and works for three months and then goes home, and the humble manner and style of which they live, to be able to then he invest that money, invest all that he has, into that, into the, the, to the work of the Lord there. From the Kicker Academies, Steve, just amazing the investment that y'all have made over there. I, I would just, I couldn't, I kept taking pictures of it. I was just so excited that, not just because Kicker, but that, that we have a part in that there. Um, it was, it was amazing to see what, what we as a body and what Kicker has done. So just from Kenya, thank you. Uh, it is definitely, it's, it's having an impact over there. Um, but getting to just see the, the quality of man that Joe Ash is, and I, I love our body. I, I've been fortunate to know um, great leaders, 
But to be able to see a, the respect and the position that, that Joash has and the, the humble way that he holds that position is, is so telling to the character of the man. Um, the different missionaries that we've known over the years, I've, I've yet to meet a man like Joash. Um, it, it's really, really, um, the God in him and his submission to the Lord is, it's incredible. It's in, like nothing I've seen. So we, we have been fortunate to be able to make a great investment over there in those guys. I would say that um, it's amazing, that just seeing the character of Joash, that we get to be a part of what he's doing. Not that he gets to receive something else, that we have the opportunity to invest time, resources, energy, prayer, monetarily. I mean, that... What an incredible work that's going on there that we get to the benefit of when we stand before the Father. Hey, I, I, I was fortunate enough to get to have a, a part in that. So it was, it was just really incredible. Um, down to, I don't know, where do you, just the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, from getting to share a room with CJ um, to the great worship music. In our, in our rooms, because wherever CJ is, there's going to be worship music. I've, I've, from early in the morning to late in the evening, this guy, whether it's in his ears or it's, he's at his headphone unplugged, this man is in worship. <laughs> so, um, it, it's, uh, it was a joy. So, and to live in a room that was, I don't know, the size of your office. <laughs> yeah, the size of his office with this man. I mean, you, you find out a lot about each other. <laughs> So uh, I'm selling information if y'all are interested. It's part of our fundraising program for Joe Ash. Um, but it was a, it was a joy. Uh, and that just from early in the morning to when we're beat down, tired, he sweats Jesus. <laughs> um, so that, that was a joy. Getting to love the people, being able to go to the campuses um, before the conference, and then just getting to spend with the, the pastors there. And being able to impart with them. We're, we're so spoiled in our, just here in the West, we have different theologies, different um, interpretations of the scripture, different versions of the Bible we get to read. And that these, these pastors and many people in their congregations walked in some cases a day and a half, two days, to come to hear what the man of God from across the ocean would come and had to say. And that they soaked it in. It wasn't, hey, that was a good message. Literally, you watched them soak it in, and it transformed their lives immediately. It was, they were starved for it. There was an, I'll say starved for it. There was an appetite for it. And that in itself was convicting because it's so readily available to us. You know, we're going to leave church today and go, what do I really want to eat? There are so many things available to us. That's not, they don't have it. And so when it does come to them, the appetites are there, that they're willing to walk two days. I wouldn't walk ten minutes for a lot of things. And these guys are walking two days for something. And then you, you realize that and you say, God, what is it you want to say? These people are walking 24 hours, 48 hours, or that's their travels. What is it you want to say through me? It can't just be a good message. Holy Spirit, you're going to have to show up because you don't want them to, to go, oh, that's yesterday's bread. That's, that's molded bread. You want it to be, and it's fresh, and it's amazing what they do with it, that the, their lives are changed in it, just seeing the healings. Um, again, we're spoiled here to having doctors and having the accessibility to doctors. We, we were people that don't have the money to go, and they've got tumors. They've got, I mean, Peter is blind. Um, just sickness. I mean, that God just, something I've never seen that we, we experienced, not being able to, having to even just lay hands on people and pray, that God just showing up and saying, 
God, here, your healing's coming right here. And literally, people being healed. And then being able to talk to them about lock, I, I called it lock in the healing. You know, so it doesn't get stole from you later. Oh, you know, that was for yesterday. Today you wake up and you, you, it's back. But being able to, to say, God, you've, you, you've healed me and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the healing. And that's what was going on there. Just, it was just an amazing experience. So thank you guys. Um, we've got, what do we end up with, like 700 pictures and over 10 gigabytes of, of pictures and videos. So uh, my poor family is going to see every one of them. And so I'm sure the Ellis family will do the same. And, uh, again, thank you guys for letting us go. It's a great investment, uh, Kenya is, and Joe Ash specifically. So thank you guys. Well, as you might have noticed in the video, um, when we saw, when we were driving somewhere, I don't remember where we were driving to, but we saw this lady on the side of the road walking and she was, she was wrapped in an Oklahoma state blanket. When I saw that, I knew Jesus was in the house. (laughs) I said, woo, the anointing is strong around here. And some of you might have thought, oh, that's what you guys blessed her with that. No, she was wearing that as she was walking down the road. I don't know where she got it from. Probably from heaven. She got it from heaven. (laughs) But I thought, wow, check that out. I was like, Joash, we need to stop and pray for her. So so we did. We stopped and and asked her, you know, uh, she saw this car pull over and these three, well, Joash is in the car and these two strangers get out of the car. It probably startled her, but um, we asked her if she had any, any, um, sickness or something going on in her body and she did and, and so we got to pray for her and she said something because uh she was uh joash was interpreting something to the effect of this was definitely ordained by god she really recognized the encounter as god was was ministering to her so that's that was how the trip was um on the way over there like joash was talking about this couple that we got to, to pray for and everything that was really amazing we enjoyed that and and johnny and i were sitting together and there was a guy on the other side of him, and there was a young lady on the other side of me that we engaged in conversation. And so there's a, a young lady named uh, Aisha, Aisha uh, Rashid, that I got to talk to. And, and we're just talking and asking her questions. And, and I felt like the Lord, Holy Spirit, was giving me ideas and questions to ask her. And I was asking, what are your dreams? What are the dreams you feel like God's put in your heart? And she's like, wow. And so she started just pouring the stuff out. And I could tell this lady definitely has a heart for people. And she was in her talking, I was assuming that she was a Christian. So I just began to share things with her, share my testimony, and just share God doing crazy stuff. And she was just like, wow, that is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. And, and then she said something. She said, yes, I'm a Muslim, a very devoted Muslim. I'm like, oh, really? Oops. <laughs> Oops, didn't know that. Uh, but she was very open to the gospel. Uh, had some confusion going on, some things she was saying, you know, reincarnation and things like that. But I was so excited to be able just to share Jesus with her and just encourage her and, and prayed for her and her, her um, time with her family and that she was going to see it and all that. And it was just wonderful because it was obvious that God set that, set that whole thing up. Um, what was amazing to me was, like with the first service we went to, I, when I was thinking about what I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share, and I said, okay, Lord, because I'm always about, okay, how do we get healing in this? How, how, when do we get to pray for the sick? And how can I sneak that in there? And I was asking the Lord, okay, here's the message I feel like you've given me. And it was about their value, their identity, and how valuable they were to him. And, 
I didn't know how to make the two fix or mix or whatever. I was like, Daddy, can I do this anyway? You know, that's kind of how I felt. And he gave me an idea. He said, remember what I, what I taught you years ago? I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, okay, that works. And basically, he showed me about just praying over whole congregations, praying over whole groups of people instead of having to lay hands on every single one of them individually. And so as I was thinking about that, I was getting a little nervous because it's like, what if it doesn't work? Because I've done it before. I remember I did it one time when he showed me to do it at one place. And then the other place, another place I went to, and I thought, oh, I'm going to do that thing. It didn't work. (laughs) It failed miserably. And um, fortunately, it was overseas, so I won't see those people again. But anyway, I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. And so we shared the message, and the people responded wonderfully. And then I said, okay, we're going to pray over you guys. And the thought was, we're going to pray generally, and, and we expect the Lord to touch you. Those who don't get healed right away, whatever, Johnny and I are going to pray for. So we just prayed over all these people. And in the first church, maybe 40 people, maybe. And that's including children, cats, dogs, chickens, goats. Now, just about 40 people, maybe, and prayed for them. Those that needed prayer, they stood up and uh, we prayed for them. And then I said, if you've received the healing in your body already, wave at me. And then they all raised their hands. I'm like, hold on a second. Put your hands down. Joash, make sure they understand this. Let's try this again. If you've already received a healing in your body, raise your hand. And they all raised their hands again. Like, are you guys getting this? And, and Joash said, yes, they're, they're understanding. And there were three people, I think three people that, no, I'm, I'm getting them mixed up. Two people in that one that didn't. So we laid hands on them, prayed for them, and they got healed. And then they started sharing testimonies. This one after the other, how they had this or that, and it was gone immediately. And there was one gen- older gentleman who was the pastor's father. And we learned later that the pastor had invited his father because his father went to a different church. He said, Father, will you please come to church today or tomorrow? Uh, we have these guests coming. And would you come? And so the father agreed to come. Well, this, this older gentleman had some kind of physical condition that had been going on for years in his neck and back, and he couldn't bend and all that kind of stuff. Well, he got instantly healed. Um, and so it was cool because he came at his son's invitation, and then his life was changed. And then later on in the conference, the son was telling about uh, the miracle that happened in his father. This would happen over and over. We'd share the word and then say, how many of you need healing? And we'd just pray over all of them. And my thought was, okay, we'll pray and, and maybe knock some of them out, and then the rest we'll lay hands on. And like you saw, the I don't know if you caught that, but in the video, in the, in the biggest service, there's maybe 100, 120 people there. And this was the last day of the conference on a Sunday. And we prayed over them, and I said, okay, how many of you have already received healing in your body? Please raise your hand. And then you saw the response. All these people raised their hands. I said, okay, put your hands down. <laughs> I said, Joash, are they understanding? He says, yes, they understand. Because here, here we are trying to walk in faith and unbelief at the same time. It's like, be healed. Really? <laughs> Seriously? Are you being for real? I mean, that's kind of what was going on. And it was hard to, to fathom that it was happening Effortlessly. And we didn't need our effort. He already paid for it. He says, hey, son, I got some goods. Just release it. And that's what we're seeing. And everywhere we went, we were seeing that kind of, I mean, we only got to lay hands on a few people. In one service, it was two. In another, it was three. In another one, it was three. Uh, But the majority of the people were getting healed without us laying hands on them. And then we got to go to the, uh, to the service, to the uh, prison. 
And it's so funny because the first day, I believe it was the first or second day we were there, Joash made the mistake of saying, just imagine when you tell your children, okay, kids, I have all this wonderful, whatever, it's candy or something, you know, they really like. And we got it for you today or we got it for you. And they're like, oh. and then that day leaves and they say, okay, where's my candy? It's like, well, just, just hold on. Then the next day, daddy, do we get the candy? You know, that anticipation that you've created in them because you've, you've given them a vision of something exciting or something wonderful. Well, Joash early on in a trip said, hey, I'm going to see if we can get into the prisons. I'm like, prison? Really? Candy? 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 And um, so every day was like, hey, bro, how's it going with the prison situation? And and because um, he had to, you know, make contacts and that kind of thing. And then I felt like the Lord just encouraging me, settle down, son, settle down. I don't want to bother him about this. And so I said, OK, Lord, I just put this in your hands. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'll cry, but it'll be OK. And uh, then Joash, he made the contacts and everything and the door opened up and, and there was a a men and women's prison together. The men had about a thousand and it was about 300, normally 300 ladies in one part. Well, we didn't get to go into the guy's side, but the ladies' uh, side opened up for us. And, uh, so we were very excited. I mean, that opportunity alone and, and, and the fear, because Joash said, one thing he was telling me, I said, have, so have you preached in the prisons? And he said, oh yeah, he's done it a number of times. And he was telling me about it and he said, he said, the hardest part was the smell. I'm thinking, gulp uh-oh he said yeah he, he said i was really having a hard time and trying not to show any expressions on my face that i was struggling with that i'm like help me jesus help me help me and but i you know and johnny we're not talking about it because i was telling him about that and i was a little nervous thinking uh-oh but i i'm used to the grace of god in other words used to him being available that whatever situation he brings you into he's going to provide grace and so at times i'm practicing how long can i hold my breath you know those Things like that. Anyway, well, we go um, to the prison, and the service and everything was outdoors. So that wasn't an issue at all. Thank you, Jesus. But, uh, and it was so neat to, there were about, the, the warden told us that there were about 250 ladies in the prison at that particular time. And probably about 120, 130 of them showed up at the, at the service. And... Um, it was really cool. They're, they're worshiping. You could tell some of the ladies already knew the Lord because of their countenance and how they were praising the Lord and everything. And then the privilege of seeing these ladies, um, they're looking at you and you're just sharing the love of Jesus. And I shared the story of the prodigal's father. It used to be about the prodigal son, you know, the prodigal son. But to me, it's about the prodigal's father because that's who Jesus was highlighting in that story. It's not the kid that we think about. But it's the father and how he loves that son and actually how he loves both of the sons, the younger brother and the older brother. I used to get, be okay with the loving the younger brother, forgiving him. And I used to have attitude towards the older brother, the religious one. The Lord helped me with that. But anyway, as we're sharing that with these ladies and just sharing the love of God and then to see them respond, saying, how many of you would like to give your lives, give control of your lives to Jesus right now? And then Johnny counted, he said about 54 plus because there were things blocking, but at least 50 ladies stood up and prayed with us to give their lives to Jesus in that, that situation. And then um, we asked, okay, how many of you need healing in your body? Would you stand up? And uh, so on quite a few, 30 to 40, somewhere around there, maybe more, but it's kind of hard to tell. And so I'm thinking, okay, is this going to work? We don't have the same atmosphere that we had in the churches. You know, all these believers and everything. Is it going to work over here? Same result. 
You know why? Same Jesus. Same Jesus, same provision, same cross, same love, same everything. So all these ladies, and again, it was funny because I said, okay, those of you who have already been healed, go ahead and have a seat. All the ladies started sitting down. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Do they understand? I asked Joash, do they understand? He said, yes, they understand. So, um, so seeing God do that in wonderful ways, and, and to be honest with you, um, Africa was so wonderful, and seeing these wonderful things happen, getting to minister to all these people and everything, when we'd see a bunch of people get healed, my mind kept coming back to here. I kept thinking about you guys. Not about the healing part, but about you releasing that healing part. I was thinking, oh my goodness. When the people at home, when they, when we get a hold of what God has made available and we get to do this stuff, it's a privilege and honor. And I kept seeing, like you right here, I kept seeing, visualizing back at home, you people doing this stuff in Stillwater, in Payne County, in Oklahoma, in the United States. And I just kept getting more and more excited because I was reminded this is available not just for Africa. It's not available just for overseas. You know, we, it, we get excited about when we, and we expect, our expectation level goes when we go overseas, we expect God to do great things. But do you realize that God loves America just like He loves Africa? And the same cross and the same power of heaven is available here as it is over there. But for whatever reason, there's a disconnect. We live normal life here and then we go over there and we think and are ready for many, many powerful things. See, I want to share, take a few moments to share my takeaway from all this, you know, um, shared some things that happened and it was a lot, a whole lot more, just like all these pictures on my part of the camera where it has the pictures that we took for Kenya, there's over a thousand, 1500 and something. And I'm not a picture taker, by the way. So you can imagine if I'm not a picture taker, I have about 1,500. Did I say 1,000, 15,000 or 1,500? Okay. Okay, anyway, good. 1,500 pictures. There's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of stories, a lot of amazing things. And by the way, I do want to say, uh, Steve and all you uh, Kickerites out here, those of you who are employed by Kicker and and, um, for those of you who don't know, the employees of the Kicker put together, they donated a lot of um, wonderful toys and and things for the kids. And you might have seen, you might have noticed the little dolls and all that kind of stuff. Well, Joash said, this is so great for the kids. The kids, this is the kind of stuff, we think it's just little trinkets because we have so much. But for some of the kids over there, that's the only toy they have. And so it's like, oh my goodness. So that, that means, so the, it means a whole lot more. And giving away candy, giving away pencils, color pencils and everything, seeing their reaction. And Joash says, they will remember this for a long time. And when you come back, they'll remember that you gave these things to them. And so, Kicker employees, thank you so much. You guys made an impact. And it was so cool to see the, the staff uniform is Kicker written across the front of their T-shirt. <laughs> I thought, that is awesome. That is so awesome. And they not only, um, I don't know if you could tell in the video, but the black Kicker T-shirt you could see. But they also had some very... Um, Nice shirts, like long sleeve shirts. I don't know how you would describe them. Like a dress shirt that also had kicker on it. 
So it's like these people went all out. I mean, it, it's pretty cool how, and the name of the school is Kicker Academy, by the way. Just to let you know. So it's just amazing. Uh, like um, Johnny was saying, with Joash, by the way, I want you to know that when you invest in him, you're investing in great soil. You're making a powerful investment in the kingdom. This man, because um, you know, you wonder, he came over here and made all this money. He worked three months. Now, the standard, the kind of money he makes over here compared to what they make over there, it's not even on the same playing field. I mean, like $1.25 a day, their wage over there. $1.25 a day. And that's a good wage, by the way. That's when you got a job. And Joash was making a whole lot more than $1.25 a day here in the States. And so he made all this money. And he was eating oatmeal every day so that he could save all the money he could to take back. Not to build him a palace, not to buy him an expensive car, but to build a convention center or a place where pastors can come and spend the night. Missionaries can come and spend the night so they don't have to stay in hotels and that kind of thing. He's building, he has a vision to see the kingdom expanded. And so he worked all that, took all that money and put it in something that's going to benefit people. And you might have noticed a motorcycle. Did you guys notice the motorcycles? That you guys gave to when he came, one of his needs, his desires was to provide five motorcycles for his pastors that drop that have to drive a long ways to get to their churches. And, and we gave a couple of them away and he gave three of them away right when he got back. And then he wanted to hold on to two of them so that we could be in, be involved in that. So you saw those in some of the pictures. Well, Joe used to have a car. He loaned it to a friend. I don't know if he's a friend. He loaned it to a guy, and the car no longer exists. It's, it's broke. And so he didn't have transportation, but yet his churches are scattered all over the place. And so he hasn't been able to visit his churches. And so we were talking, and I said, who are you giving the motorcycles to? And he told me the guys. I said, that's, that's cool. And I said, have you ever thought about maybe you getting a motorcycle until the Lord provides a car, but in the meantime, you having a motorcycle so that you can drive all over and, and take care of and, and at least visit the people? He's like, well, and he's making excuses. I saw him as excuses as to why not, because he was preferring these other pastors. So if you think that this man is coming over here and getting all these goods so he can go over there and kind of keep a stash for himself, he doesn't keep it for himself. He gives it all away, even to a fault. I had to talk him into, say, Joash, let's talk. You might want to consider, and what I was thinking was that uh, if he agreed to taking a motorcycle, then I was going to, uh, talk to the elders and say, hey, can we buy him a motorcycle? Well, Josh, the next day he said, you know, I had a talk with my leaders and they agreed that I should have a motorcycle. And so he decided to go ahead and keep one of the ones that we already had, that he already had. So we got to present a motorcycle to one of his pastors and then present one to Joash, which was awesome. Um, so I just want to say the man is amazing. He's very humble. He is a um, servant leader. He doesn't lord it over his people, but he's, he's the real deal the real deal. And so when you, if you think, if you have, if you want to um, invest in a, to a mission or a serve or somebody in a foreign place, he's definitely someone you want to consider. I just want to share a few thoughts, my takeaway from, from our Kenya adventure over there. People over there were so hungry for the things of God and his word. It's like, why is there such a hunger? And like Johnny mentioned, one, there's less distractions over there. You know, the culture, the country is very poor. They're very, uh, as far as techn- technologically advanced, they're not 
they're not even closer, they're not a fully developed country. You can just tell by looking and just the infrastructure, everything is slow. They do have internet, they do have cell phones, everybody's got a cell phone. You can see TVs in their houses, it's like, what? You live in a grass hut and you got a TV, that's crazy. That's kind of crazy. But the distractions that I see here, we have become so addicted to all the stuff we have. And it's not that the stuff is bad, but it has become a distraction. And if we're not careful, and here's what I see, they're so hungry. I mean, like, like Johnny was saying, they'll travel two days to get there, and then they're just waiting for you to tell them something. And it's like, you don't want to just give them leftovers or whatever, but it's like, Lord, what do you want to say to them? Because they're so hungry for the word of God. And so we had the privilege of just sharing wonderful things. But I was thinking, why are we this hungry? Why are we this hungry? It's like if uh, I was talking to my wife this morning, if someone was going to invite you over and they were going to have some of the best foods and the, your favorite food, just this wonderful banquet of delicious food, and you're going to go over to their house later on to eat that. And you know, the, kind of, the, the amount of food like on Thanksgiving, you know, just crazy, craziness. And you're going to have all this wonderful stuff, and then you're eating all day long. You're just eating, you know, Snickers bar here, candy here, maybe a hamburger, and you're just eating all, all throughout the day, and then you come to the house, you're not going to be as excited. Now, you may nibble, and you may even say, oh, I'll have a plate, I'll have some, maybe out of politeness or courtesy, but you're not going to be, let me at it, because you've already filled yourself, you've satisfied yourself with other things. I believe that is what's happened here in America. We, have, we are overloaded with technology, with stuff that clutters our soul. And so what happens when Jesus is inviting us, in, us into this relationship to draw close to him, to spend time with the Father, to spend time in his word, a lot of times we do it out of discipline because I know a, as a good Christian I should, but there's no hunger, no passion for it because my soul has already been filled with other stuff. I spent this time on Facebook or I've watched this great movie or, or whatever it is. And again, it's not that there's necessarily in these things anything wrong. But they're robbing us of what we can have. The scripture that's driving me right now that I, I constantly think of is John 15, 7. Abide in me. Allow my word to abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, I will give it to you. By this is my Father glorified that you prove that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. In one translation, it says, if you maintain intimate communion with me and my word is at home inside of you, I command you to ask what you desire for yourself and I will give it to you. By this is my Father glorified. And see, when we hear that scripture, when we think of the part, ask whatever you desire and I will give it to you, well, because of what's happened in our brains and our thinking and all that kind of stuff where we are, we begin to water that, ver- that part down. Well, he doesn't really mean whatever I desire. Is he telling the truth or is he lying? And see, when we, and we also, we approach that verse from our natural thinking. We approach it from what I think, what I believe, my concepts. I look at that verse and I interpret the verse through my understanding and I say, no, that can't be what he means. And we water it down. I'd be willing to encourage you to, to take it at face value. 
He is inviting you and me into the type of relationship where we know him and he knows us. And our hearts become so intertwined. And my heart begins to beat with the things that make his heart beat. And I'm just falling deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. And his kingdom becomes my everything. And his word is at home in me. And remember, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So then I begin to think the way God thinks. I begin to see things from his perspective. And then he says, you ask whatever you desire, I will give it to you. The kind of relationship where we're so close to him and he can entrust us with all of his resources. You ever thought of that? He wants to invite you in the type of relationship where he can entrust to you his resources. Where he says, whatever you want. That is available to every single one of us in here. And you know what's holding us back? Not even sin. The lack of hunger. The lack of desire. Because we are, we are allowing ourselves to be filled with other things. Now here's my heart for you. And I hope you hear this. If you start feeling condemned or guilty from what I'm saying, you're missing it. So then just chunk what I'm saying and just put it, put, it, put it to the side right now. I'm not trying to motivate you out of guilt or manipulation. Because if you allow yourself to be manipulated that way and, okay, yeah, I need to start doing this, then here's what will happen. For a few days out of guilt, you'll start doing something different. And then after the guilt wears off, you'll go back to what you were doing before. My desire is that your spirit man is jumping up and down and saying, that's what I want. And you are, your spirit is being enticed by the spirit of God as he's drawing you close to himself and saying, son or daughter, I desire closer relationship with you. I have so much in store for you. So much. We saw wonderful things happen in Kenya. We saw many people get healed. It was crazy. It was wonderful. One lady, I shared the message on grace, uh, grace, the power to love and to love our enemies and forgive. And at the end, I was, I was encouraging them to write down, if the Holy Spirit's bringing people to your mind that you have ought with or bitterness or whatever, I want you to write that down because they were taking notes for the conference and everything. I said, I want you to write that down and determine, you know, surrender this to the Lord, you know, encourage them to walk through that process. And then later on, a lady shared that when she um, wrote the names down of the people that the Lord was bringing to her mind, she was convicted of, had bitterness against, when she wrote them down, she was healed. She was healed. Whatever her infirmity was, something with her stomach, it was healed when she determined, I forgive them. It was wonderful seeing what people were experiencing. And it was one man, you might have noticed him in the, uh, in the uh, video, had big dark glasses on. His name is Peter. He's blind. He's blind ever since Pastor Dill and I have been going to Kenya for, I don't know, 13 years now, 12, 13 years. And he's been, I don't know how much longer before that he's been blind, but for a very long time. We had the privilege of praying for him. And we asked him, is anything happening? How do you feel? And something was happening. Something was happening. Because he said there was a condition he dealt with, something about liquid or water on his eyes or whatever. He said it left. It's gone. He said that's never been like that before. And then we prayed for him again, and he said he felt heat. 
And that, I said, is that normal? He said, no. So something was happening. And then we asked for the opportunity. And so there was no full manifestation. Uh, but he could see light. Something had changed where he was. There was some improvement. So I went over to his house a couple of days later, prayed for him again. Ministered to him, prayed for him again. And, and that was as far as we saw. As he said, he see, I said, is there any, anything different? He said, I see kind of light, uh, but that was it. So there was improvement. So we hear all these wonderful testimonies of these people getting healed. But my heart's thinking about one. And Johnny and I, we talk about this, and I said, God, I want Peter. I want those eyes. Now, I didn't see it happen. We didn't see it happen. We, we came back, and as far as I know, matter of fact, I'm sure if it, if it has happened by now, I'd hear from it by Joash. But as far as I know, that full manifestation hasn't happened yet. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I am disappointed. But here's what I'm even more of. I'm hungry. I said, Lord, we're going to have a talk. Not that I'm going to try to convince him of anything, but Lord, I want to understand. I want, I want what I believe you want. How many blind eyes did Jesus open? How many people did he heal? Quite a few. He told us to lay hands on the sick. He said, what I've, do, what I've done, you do also. I believe that's his heart. But for whatever reason, it didn't manifest and see, I don't want to hear your opinions, because I know there's a whole bunch of them. I have my own opinions, but I want to go to him and hear his heart. Because I know that he has more available than what we are seeing. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of Facebook or iPhones or whatever, keeping me from getting more of what he's made available. So I came back from Kenya hungry. And I know it's, it's a very, you know, Johnny and I get to experience something that's way out of our culture, out of our comfort zone, and so different. You know, we didn't have TV for two and a half weeks. You know, all the comforts and the things that we're used to over here, we didn't have over there. I mean, we had some things. It wasn't like we were sleeping on the ground or anything like that. And it could be so easy for us to come back and beat you with the fact that we need to be doing this. We need to be doing, we need to quit watching all this TV and we need to quit all that kind of stuff. And I can try to throw that down on you. And that's not my heart. I don't believe that's the heart of the Holy Spirit. But I hope you're hungry. And my prayer for you and me is that we become more hungry. And when, because see, when you get hungry, when you desire something, you'll begin to push things out of the way that are standing in front of you. Instead of you having to be talked out of it, instead of me having to make you feel guilty for doing all this kind of stuff, you'll say, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I mean, how many of you who have been around, been a Christian for a long time, how many TVs have you got rid of? And then a few months later, you went and bought another one. Anybody ever done something silly like that? It's like, no more TV, because I'm going after Jesus. And then two months later, where's that TV at? You know, your intentions might have been good. I've done that before. We've gotten rid of the TVs. But I don't want it to be about attention, intention. I wanted to be hungry and passion for him. And I'm excited. And when I thought, again, as I think about you, I get excited because Stillwater is in trouble. But let me explain this. The kingdom of darkness in Stillwater is in trouble because the kingdom of heaven is about to invade. We're going to take over. The kingdom of heaven is going to blow through us, and we're going to love on people 
And they're going to think we're crazy. And it's okay. Because then they're going to say, I want that craziness that you have. That love, the way you love me, the way you're patient with me, the way you care for me, the way, what is that about? And then we get to introduce them to our friend. So would you stand up with me? John 15, 7 and 8. I'm going to be hanging out on that for a while. And I would encourage you guys to maybe look at that verse and then begin to respond to the Lord's invitation. But my prayer for you is that you become hungry for that close relationship with him. And it's going to look different for each of us. There's going to be different obstacles or things that we have to take care of in order for us to move forward. So I'm not going to try to tell you what that's going to look like. But open your hearts to allow him to speak to you and show you what that looks like. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. As we sing these songs earlier of of your, your great love for us, I pray that that penetrates our hearts. I pray that that brings comfort to our souls and that our minds will begin to be able to wrap around that, Father, that what you're wanting for us. We thank you for your invitation. We thank you for your goodness. And Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to work in our hearts, to convict where conviction needs to happen, and to give us peace and rest where where peace and rest needs to happen. We don't want to be motivated out of guilt, condemnation. We want to be moved by your love and your spirit. So we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to help us. We open our hearts to you. I thank you for every person here, Lord. I thank you for the hunger and the passion that is in this house. I thank you that we have the opportunity here to run towards you as a, as a, as a church family, as well as families and individuals. And we're going to move in that direction even more intentionally and more passionately because you're worth it. You've given us your best and your all. And Lord, so we want to give ourselves to you. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. And Lord, I just thank you for your blessing being released on every person here and every family represented. In the amazing name of Jesus, amen.